Hey, yo. Amen, brother. Exactly, DB. Oh, look, we got DB. We got Hana. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Kim is getting our water. You know, we're always late behind just getting shit ready. And, of course, now I realize my chair needs to be fucking WD-40'd again. So since there's Hannah, I know Mikey's watching. I know more likely Brendan Lee and Case are watching. So put that down on the floor. Yep. Put it on the floor. <laughs> okay. Am I too close to you? No. But I've not got my mic pointed at me either. Hello, Mike. <laughs> what? Hey, Lunar. Oh, all right. Well, we ready for this? Yes, let's get the show on the road. Okay, so got got a message from Chanti. She says she's running late, so we'll, we'll be fine. Yes, we will. We'll get we'll get the show started, and then we'll bring her right on in. Yep, when she Just gets... remind me to unmute that fucking channel when she gets here. I sure will. All right. All righty. Right. Two more to hear this fucking old kitten. Make sure I'm on live chat. Make sure you stop talking. Hey guys, welcome to Using and Views. And before we get this party started, we're going to do a little something here as soon as this fucking computer wants to work. Kim, you got yours? I do have mine in just a moment. I was just making sure I was Never ready. on the chat. Oh, okay. To Scott Hall. To Scott Hall. Hey, yo. I want to read a quote that he said at the end of his Hall of Fame speech for WWE when he was inducted. And he said this. Any more in the, in the microphone? Anyways, I quote, hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. You're going to miss it, Scott. Thank you for all the wrestling memories, buddy. NWO, Razor Ramon. Ladder match between you and Sean. Thank you again. Ah, anyways, how y'all doing tonight? How's everybody doing? Huh? Everybody having fun? So we're gonna we're gonna switch this up real quick. 
Because I have another quote to read tonight. I saw this on Facebook. Reposted by John Karavi, and then I posted it on News and Views. Kim's already laughing. It's a poem by Mr. Willie Nelson. And this is what it says. My nookie days are over. My pilot light is out. What used to be my sex appeal is now my water spout. Time was when, oh, on, on its own accord, from my trousers it would spring. But now I've got a full-time job to find the fucking thing. It used to be embarrassing the way it would behave. For every single morning, it would stand and watch me shave. Now, <laughs> stop. Now, as old age approaches, it sure gives me the blues to see to see it heinous little head and watch me tie my shoes. John Karabi posted that, and that was written by Willie Nelson. <laughs> Kim's over here. <laughs> uh, anyways, how are we doing? Kim, how are you? I'm fine. Good. I'm happy you're fine. See, that's the way that you, you got to break the ice after you know, a, a heartfelt moment. And Hector's in the, So let's go ahead and get through the chat real quick. We got Dragon Buddy, Hannah, Tom, Hectorian, and Luna Girl. I missed her. So I know I missed and it up there. After the weekend's in there too. Hey, after the weekend. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yes. Or Nelson's Willie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. So right now we're just waiting for uh, Shanti to show up. And like I said, well, she's running a little late, but that's well, fine. Well, since she's but, running a little late, why don't we just take care of business now? Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting about the business <laughs> part of this show. That's why you're here. You remind me of the business. All right, here we go. Thank you to our Patreons, Luna Girl, Dragon Buddy, Don Delisnitschulski, Brady Big Love, and Hannah, Mikey, Friendly, and Case. You want to join our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash usedabusedpod. And uh, I know it says like five bucks, and I made a post today trying to get better at doing Patreon. So thank you to those who have been subscribed to us. And everything you guys help us with goes right back into the show. Search for Used and Abused Pod today on all your favorite podcast apps, including Apple, Google, Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. We are a proud member of the Red Five Network. Go to redfivenetwork.com to find more exciting podcasts. And we have a new member. Yes, we do. Black Spire. What it is. Fuck. You think I'd be ready for this shit? I'm never ready for this. Anyways, you want to find all of our Red Five Network shows, go to Red Five Network bio.link slash red five check out the cantina family the sidebar cantina and the escape pod on youtube and your favorite podcast right. and last night unfortunately for me my sleep schedule has been fucked and then of course i tried to fuck with this fancy little friggin' watch i got from my daughter yesterday while i was dead tired and of course we don't do time change here 
No, we, we don't. stay Mountain Standard Time year round. Yes, we do. However, 7 p.m. Eastern is now 4 p.m. here because we're now sharing the Pacific time zone. Right. So. Which means if Dave and Jason go live at 5, 5 30 Eastern, it's going to be 3, 3 30 my time. Yes. I got to remember that shit. But anyways, they did a great show yesterday. They talked about um, Kenobi. Oh, okay. Partial. And then the escape pod tomorrow night. Episode 100. Yes. Crazy. Very crazy. I know what I want to do. I need, I need to go find. I got to go find some pictures. Anyway. I click the button. Check out the Orange and Fett show on Spotify. Right. And I forgot what they're. Tom, you want to throw, throw down in the chat what your last uh, episode was? That'd be perfect, man. Also, check out Swede Studios, Big Swede's Excellent Adventure, and Tactical Swede only on YouTube. Don't forget to smash that like button. If you are a new, new to the channel, click subscribe and then click the bell to be notified when we go live. Views and views can be found on Facebook. You love how I pop that up there and I completely... Yeah. Just said whatever the fuck I was going to say. Anyways, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email us at usedandabusedpod at gmail.com. Our website is usedabusedpod.com. There you can find links to all of our episodes, links to our YouTube videos, including replays of our live shows, link to our merch store, and link to our Patreon under the Donate tab. You can leave, a, leave us a message and also click subscribe to be notified by email when new audio-only episode is available. I think it's just say are available. I mean, yeah. You only release them one a week, so unless I fucking get back into that one habit where I held like eight fucking episodes, I'm like, oh, I gotta release all these. <laughs> Go to tpublic.com, search for used abuse pod all over case for our merch store. There are t shirts, tank tops, hoodies, face masks, onesies, coffee mugs. Speaking of t shirt, right here is one. Uh, as a reminder, all links are in the show notes pinned to the top of our Twitter page. And I just hit something that's not supposed to be. Oh, that's the that's the fucking crystal zoom one. <laughs> Anyways, we're continuing. Me, <laughs> we are we are continuing March Music Madness tonight, and we are spotlighting meatloaf. We spotlight. Wait, we're having meatloaf for dinner? No, we're talking the singer and the actor here. We're not talking the uh, we're not talking the dish. Hey, look, Nicole's in the chat now. Hey, Nicole. All righty. Well, you know what they say, don't you? Before we can move on, we need to bring in the one, the only, General Shinobi, or Shanti, co-host of Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast and Press Play hey, Streaming studios. studios. Hey, Shanti. Hello. Oh, hold it. Unmuter. I got to unmute you. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm might want to turn her up too. Can we hear? Her? I can't can hear me. Hear her. Oh, I can hear. Oh well, you want to? You don't have headphones on. Well, <laughs> I'm a little short, and I'm not. <laughs> um, we'll just leave that there because you said it, not me. <laughs> I told you I was short. I know you're short. You're just very short. Yes, I know. Anyways, how are you doing tonight? Tired. 
think I've run myself. Thanks. I think I've run myself ragged with all the studying. Right. But congratulations. I heard you pass. So good job. Thank you. Thank We're God. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So you're excited about your rape for this one? Yes. Meatloaf? Yeah. She is. She's even got I the know, background. I know. I know. Well, we were going to have the background, but then everything fucked up and things weren't working right. I was like, screw it. Put it back up. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, if my phone will open up, that'd be a good thing. Oh, well, yeah, it would. All right. I'm going to go over a little bit here about his history and what, whatnot. And then we'll, we'll just chat. I before we chat, Shanti, when's the first time you heard Meatloaf? My mom. My mom has a very um, extensive vinyl collection that she has kept from probably the 60s and on because she acquired a lot from her dad after he passed away, but a lot of her own records. We used to, um, we would do a typical spring cleaning and my mom would typically uh, put, you know, she would just run through all of her vinyls while we were cleaning the house. And I believe she has Bad Out of Hell and she would play meatloaf for me and my sister and you know while we were all cleaning and you know my dad would be tinkering on his truck or whatever and then after that really uh rocky horror picture show i started to know him more as an actor but obviously still love his music so i was right. pretty i was pretty sad when he passed away <laughs> i yeah. was like no yeah that one came as a shock yeah I mean, it did I mean, it definitely came as a shock to me when i heard it I'm like you gotta be kidding me I know. And I'm like, okay, well, we got to definitely talk. I got to definitely do a meatloaf episode because, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, for me, I don't exactly remember. I know it was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine had Bad Out of Hell on cassette, played it for me, and I fell in love with it. So good. And then um, I bought, I got, I got a copy of that. And then when it finally came out on CD, I bought a copy of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. So, and that was before even. Before Battle Hell 2 came out. Right. But yeah. Kim, how about you? Just a minute. <laughs> Kim's busy right now, Scott. Obviously. What are you doing? <laughs> hey, Steve. To, I went oh, to, look, Nightbot's there. Here yeah, we go. <laughs> yeah, I went to say hello to Mikey, and I said hello, Mickey. <laughs> That's you know, oh, Mickey, you're so fun. You're so fun. You're so fun. <laughs> yeah, <hey>, Mickey. <laughs> Scott read my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had actually heard his I Would Do Anything for Love song. And then. Okay, so I'll bat out of hell too. Yeah, I'll bat out of Mm -hmm. hell too. And then I acquired one of the movies that he done, which was Black Dog. And he played a good part in that one with Swayze. So (laughs) that's how I knew of him. He's a good actor. Unfortunately, it wasn't bad at all. Unfortunately for me, I've not seen the movie. I wanted to see it, but it's not on anything free right now. So, (laughs) but it's one of those movies when I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, dude, I want to see this. Because not only did you have Swayze, which, okay, he's a good actor, Mm -hmm. but you have Meatloaf and Randy Travis. You do? Yeah. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. It's uh, what? What? Trucks? Yes, what it is smuggling guns or some shit. Yes, well, <laughs> what what the whole movie is based on is actually based on a trucker legend, the Black Dog legend. Okay. Oh, okay. Now I know what I'm hearing. What the fuck? Okay, yes. you're not the only one here. No, the jets are flying over. Yes, they are. Hello, United States military. 
We didn't do it. <laughs> we didn't do it. You can't prove anything. <laughs> it's Mikey's fault. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey. It's Mickey's fault. Yeah, right. Mickey, Mikey. Mickey, Mikey. You know? Mikey, Mickey. <laughs> Sorry, Mikey. <laughs> oh, God. Good thing I'm not playing Call of Duty tonight. <laughs> I just put one too many letters in there. And then posted it went, oh, no. Now I got to say I'm sorry. <laughs> Love your theme parks. <laughs> I, I see your Tom, Tom's already yelling at Nightbot. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Actually, that was my fault because I had it set too low on the emojis or, or the symbols and went, oh, shit. Can't believe it. Like, also, I look up on that one first stream, it got Nightbot running. It's like, what the hell? By the way, is- I love I love how you've given pretty much everyone power in the chat room. <laughs> I see our blue wrenches everywhere. <laughs> I know. I love it. I know. Everyone's ready to tackle a fucking bot. <laughs> right? That's the whole point. You know, I, I don't remember. I was watching, I don't remember what the hell I was watching somebody stream. And they started getting attacked. And it wasn't a red five. It was before, way before we were in the red five network. Mm-hmm. And somebody was getting, and they had no moderators. Oh no! And I went, oh hell no! I looked up real quick how you add moderators, and I freaking like, <laughs> let me reach out to one girl. Hey, you want to be? Like- <laughs> oh. So I made her moderator first, and then slowly but surely, I started to keep adding people. <laughs> and then that night, on. All things start, or sidebar continue when you mentioned nobody should give me the power of the wrench. I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you want to bet? <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. You're welcome. You're now, welcome. I can, hey. now I can throw DB out if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> DB's also a moderator. I so. know. <laughs> Steve actually brought up a good Excuse point me. here. But. Meatloaf was, also, was in the Spice Girls movie. I know. That's. Okay. My generation, and that's yep. uh, that's probably the second movie I saw him. Him because I'm no, maybe it might have been the first because I'm not sure when I saw Rocky Horror Picture Show. So one of the one of the two was actually the first time I saw him in a movie, and then he was in what Wayne's World really quick, yeah. Yeah. great in Fight Club, love Fight Club. He can act. Oh, there we go. Could act. Sorry, Blue Girl brings it up. A wrench can't throw out a fellow wrench. Okay, fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tom wants a wrench nightbot. <laughs> Unfortunately, nightbot's also got a wrench. <laughs> He's mainly there just to, that is mainly there just to throw it out our little. You're like Oprah. You get a wrench and you get a wrench. You get a wrench. You get a wrench. You we get all get a wrench. <laughs> oh well let's go ahead anyway we'll meatloaf meatloaf <laughs> better born as marvin lee a day was born in dallas texas on september 27 1947 the only child of wilma rt a school teacher and member of the what the fuck Odo girls gospel music quartet got it and Orvis Wesley, a day, a former police officer who went into business selling a homemade cough remedy with his wife and friend under the name of the Griffin Grocery Company. Nice. Did not know that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Meatloaf's uh, mom or Meatloaf's said in an interview that when he was born, he was bright red and stayed that way for days, and that his father said he looked like nine pounds of ground chunk. Chuck. <laughs> well, that's where he got the nickname then. Hey, we yep. we call we call Coley was called Meat. I mean, he's a skinny little fucker now, but back then, his baby baby, he was a chunk. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, and, okay, so so then his father also convinced the hospital staff to put the name Meat on his crib. Wow. It's almost like that, you know, I mean, think about it. It's almost like that Johnny Cass song, Boy Named Sue. Yeah. yeah. If I was going to be around, I just had to name you Sue so you kick ass. Either you learn how to fight or you get your ass kicked. Okay. It was later called ML in reference to his initials when his weight increased. His seventh grade classmates referred to him as Meatloaf in com- com- commemoration to his five foot, two inches, 240 pound stature. He was also attributed the nickname to an incident where after he stepped on a football coach's foot, the coach yelled, get off my foot, you hunk of Meatloaf. His father was an alcoholic who went on drinking binges for days at a time, which started when he was medically discharged from the U.S. Army during World War II after being wounded by fragments from a mortar shell. A day often accompanied his mother in driving to the bars in Dallas to look for his father and often stayed with his grandmother. He attended church and Bible study every Sunday. Uh, He was 16 on the day that uh, President Kennedy was killed. Meatloaf had met the president when he arrived at Dallas Love Field. Holy fuck. I didn't know that. Neither. After hearing about the assassination, he and a friend drove to Parkland Hospital where he saw Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis bloodied and getting out of the car. Wow. Damn. Can you imagine? Imagine that. 16 fucking years old. Wow. In 1965, a day graduated from Thomas Jefferson High School, having appeared in stage school stage productions such as Where's Charlie and The Music Man. The day played high school football at the position of defensive tackle. After attending college at Lubbock Christian University, he transferred to North Texas State University, now the University of North Texas. Hmm. In 67, Meatloaf was, when he was 19 years old, his mother died from cancer, and his father barely missed when trying to stab him with a knife in his bedroom. Falsely accusing him of having girls. Jesus. Nice, nice childhood. Yeah. He used the inheritance he received from his mother's death to rent an apartment in Dallas and isolated himself for three and a half months until a friend found him. A short time later, he went to the airport, caught the next flight to Los Angeles, and he intentionally gained 60 pounds to fall, fail his physical examination for the Vietnam War draft. In L.A., a day formed his first band, Meatloaf Soul. The band received several recording contracts. Meatloaf Soul's first gig was in Huntington Beach, California in 1968 at the Cave, opening for Van Morrison's band, Bam, and Question, Mark, and the Mysteries. Mysterians, holy shit. That's a lot to say. You, you okay, Scott? Yeah. Meatloaf later defined his early days in the music industry as being treated like a circus clown. The band they went under, 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 went
And in wow. fucking English, motherfucker. No, I'm just joking. The band then underwent several changes of lead guitarist, changing the name of the band each time to names including Popcorn Blizzard and Floating Circus. Okay. I want to know how many drugs they were on. Yes. As Floating Circus, they opened for The Who, The Fugs, The Stooges, MC5, Grateful Dead, and The Grease Band. Their regional success led them to release a single, Once Upon a Time, back with Hello. Meatloaf then joined the Los Angeles production of the musical Hair. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Did not know that either. I didn't either. In 1972, Meatloaf was in the original off-Broadway production of Rainbow at of Rainbow at the Orpheum Theater in New York. After the tour, Meatloaf rejoined the cast of Hair, this time at a Broadway theater. After he hired an agent, he auditioned for Public Theater's production of More Than You, Deserved. During the audition, Meatloaf met Jim Steinman. He sang, he sang a stony and Meatloaf favorite of his, I'd love to be as heavy as Jesus, and subsequently got the part of Rabbit, a maniac that blows up his fellow soldiers so they can go home. Ron Silver and Fred Gwynn were also in the show. In the summer between the show's workshop production, a full production, or April 1973, and full production November 73 through January 74, Meatloaf appeared in Shakespeare in the Park production of As You Like It with Raul Julia, and Mary Beth Hurt. In late 73, Meatloaf was cast in the original L.A. Roxy cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, playing the parts of Eddie and Dr. Everett Scott. The success of the musical led to the filming of the Rocky Horror Picture Show in which Meatloaf played only Eddie, a decision he said made the movie not as good as the musical. Now, I know we, I think, I believe we brought this up when we did our Rocky Horror Picture Show episode, but Meatloaf got cast as Eddie because he could sing all the fucking lyrics to the, to the, right. Yes, because, yes, because when they cast him, they told him, you don't have to hit all the lyrics because nobody else does. Because nobody can't. Right, right. Because nobody nobody can't. And fucking, he did it. Yeah, he did. (laughs) He was like, fuck you. Watch me. Hold my beer. I'll do it. (laughs) Hold me beer, motherfuckers. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And about the same time, Meat, Loaf, and Steinman started work on Bat Out of Hell. Yeah. Meat, Loaf convinced Epic Records to shoot music videos for four songs, four songs, Bat Out of Hell, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. He took the words right out of my mouth, and two out of three ain't bad, and convinced Lou Adler, the producer of Rocky Horror, to run the Paradise video as a trailer to the movie. Nice. During his recording of the soundtrack for Rocky Horror, Meatloaf recorded two more songs, Stand By Me by Ben E. King, or Ben E. A ben E. King cover, and Clap Your Hands. They remain they remain unreleased for a decade until 1984 when they appeared on as B-sides to the Nowhere Fast single. So and in 76, Meatloaf recorded lead vocals for Ted Nugent's album Free For All. And yeah. Then they started again. Meet Love and Simon. Yeah, in 72, they started working on Bad Out of Hell. Let's talk about Bad Out of Hell. Actually, let's talk about Rocky Horror. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking part. I mean, 
I remember when he when he came out and that when we were watching him, like, yeah, yeah. Now we're now we're talking. I mean, he looked the part. He's got. And he looks just like Elvis in a way. Yeah. And I love it. Yes, he did. And I love I just love his whole demeanor in that. I mean, uh-huh. I know I read a lot of the background or behind the scenes stuff where they did a lot of different stuff with him on the bike, but mm-hmm. at slower speeds or whatnot. And then right. they had to do some different stuff just because they're the stuntman had to do it versus him. Yeah, exactly. But, did you guys like the movie? Oh, I yes. didn't. I didn't. I never. Yeah. I didn't catch the screen when you guys yes. done it. Yeah. Yeah. We. I haven't we, seen it in a very long time. I haven't seen it probably since high school. We watched that for probably the next three. Well, pretty much once a night. Yes, mm-hmm. we did. And I would kick on like before we go to bed. I'd freaking hit the Apple Music and pop on either. Uh, well, what Hot Patootie? We'd also kick on. Sweet transvestite. That yeah. one. And, uh, time warp. Time warp. Time warp. <laughs> And then probably every other night we were watching it after the episode. <laughs> Another thing that my mom exposed me to. My mom exposed me to that movie and she would tell right my on. sister and I the stories about, oh yeah, it was a midnight thing and we would go at midnight and people would bring the stuff and, you know, whenever they would do certain things, they would throw it at the screen or whatever the case may be. Oh yeah, my mom was totally into all of that. Nice. Totally into all of that. But yeah, I mean, and so I mean, the neat the, the neat thing for me is that's before Bad Out of Hell, so that's you know yeah. like before most people, at least nationally, knew who right knew who he was. was. Right. So it's kind of cool to see. Okay, wait, he actually kind of started act. I mean, he kind of did both. He was doing acting and singing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, again, he followed the the same path that most LA bands or LA artists mm-hmm. did. You know, like the Roxy and all those different clubs down there in, in LA. And, but then he hooked up with Steinman and damn. <laughs> Bad Out of Hell, there's not one song there I don't like. I know. They're all so good. You know, that is I, such a perfect rock album. She fucking Tom. What the hell's going on? That's Dave. Oh my God, right? <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so I mean, when I first, like I said, when I first heard that, I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" And I kept listening to it, and it, you know, and then of course back then you don't have a CD where you can see the time length of these songs. No, no, you no, know, and you're just like, "What the fuck am I listening to here? This is a musical masterpiece." And his voice is so, oh yeah, <laughs> it's. It's like a mix of rock and Broadway right. almost because uh-huh. he has it a very, he has a very theatrical, he had, a, I keep saying has, he's gone, he has, he had right. a very theatrical voice. Not only that, he was extremely theatrical on stage. I still don't know how he did half the stuff he did on stage. He had such stamina. Yes, did he collapse he did. on stage once? I believe he did. Right. Um, but he, I know uh, the tour for Bad of Hell was really hard on him. Yeah. And that's where yeah. he, you know, you know, got into the drugs. I mean, but then again, what rock star don't get in the drugs? It seems like. Do. You know, I mean, God, I mean, they all start dabbling because, you know, they don't come say off, no. Well, they come off stage and they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to keep that high going. Yeah. The high from being on stage. Well, then you start mixing in drugs and they get that high. Well, then eventually, you know, 
a little bit here, a little bit there, and eventually it leads to more and more, like it's like the lyrics uh, of Mr. Brown's Let's Say by Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. You know, I do a little little bit in here, a little bit there, or whatnot, and then it got more and more, and that's exactly the truth. You know, it's like drinking alcohol. Yeah. You know, you start out, as we call it, we, we tease people, lightweights, yeah. when you first start out drinking. But then if you continue doing it a lot, Eventually, you start downing a bunch, and all yeah. of a sudden, you're getting no effects. That right, so you got to keep taking it higher and higher. And then, right. of course, the more famous you get, the less and less people are going to tell you no also. So right. if you're asking and for drugs and booze, you say, okay, sure. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then plus, the f- doesn't more help famous either. you get, the more money you got, so yep. you can buy Whatever copious amounts of it. However you, you know? want. However much you want. Right. And, but I mean, I, I can even revert. I mean, I can kind of go a little bit because I mean, like when I got, went through my first divorce, mm-hmm. I, you know, at that point I lost my, my, it was my family. I mean, I didn't lose my parents or nobody like that, but I lost my family, my little, little family that I had. Right. And I spent six months at a bar pretty much. And finally, when I had enough is the day I asked a bartender to Write down, just mark down how many beers I was having. Right. And because I, I, you know, I'd gone up to, to the whiskeys and shit. And finally, I'm like, I don't know, I've been there. I thought I'd only felt like I've been there for a while. And, but I'd only been there for an hour and drank 24 beers and didn't oh feel nothing. God. I mean, didn't have God. no buzz, wasn't getting drunk. Nothing was, it wasn't affecting me. I'm like, Thank you. I gave her, I think I gave her a hundred dollar tip. And I wow. was like, I'm out of here, guys. If I can't get even a fucking buzz off this shit, it's time to quit. Yeah. You were smart. Luckily for me, I quit when I did. Cause yeah. you were smart. I'm glad that you did. Yeah. I mean, we, unfortunately on my side of the family, we have alcoholism in our family. Then even more so, I'm glad that you did. Right. Oh yeah. That's good to hell out of my mom. And I'm 35 and still a lightweight. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have two drinks and I'm done. So to hear 24 in an hour, I'm like, I, I would, would have been sent to the hospital for alcohol poisoning. Right. There's no way. Right. But I mean, again, like I said, you know, that was six months and almost yeah. seven days straight. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, at the time I was working at a, a gas station and we got tips. Yeah. It was a full, full service gas station. So. Right. Of course that car fucking pulls up. I'm out that door quick, you know, Ask them what they want, fill it up, wash the windshield, let me check the oil, do everything I can to get that fucking tip. God, that's so crazy. You know? Does full service gas stations, do those even exist anymore? No. Uh, no. I, I remember no, going to one in my life, and it must have been one of the last ones here in Miami, and it was such a cool experience. No, because I think even Oregon just got rid of, really? rid of it. Oh, fuck. Before you go into Oregon and you even, you know, you, you knew if you knew that it was full service, you just get there, but you get out the stretch and man, you got a tennis, get the fuck back in your, well, not fuck, but get, the, <laughs> get back in your car. You don't touch that pump. Don't you dare. Like, what the fuck? Calm the hell down. I want the fucking stretch. Well, I had a, a woman that I used to work for. She was a manager of mine and she was born and raised in New York. And then she came to live down here in Miami, I think, right as either Wilma or Katrina hit us, <laughs> hurricane. So poor thing <laughs> came right when a hurricane hit us. And 
when she became my manager, she would tell me stories in New York. And somehow we got into that. And she said one of the strangest things about moving down here was having to learn to pump her own gas. <laughs> in New York, of course, first of all, not many people drive cars. But she said up there, she's like, yeah, you don't even touch the pump. And I'm like, I wish. <laughs> Things right. are nasty. Right. Uh, Steve says he, he believes. How did we get here? still exist in Oregon. I don't know. I always go on these weird changes and weird ways and end up going, I don't know. We were talking about alcohol or alcohol. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we got. Oh, and because I worked at a gas station. That's what it was. There you go. And we got there somehow. Kim, you're supposed to keep (laughs) up on this. Kim's on the iPad. I'm keeping up on both. Oh, okay. Because Tom just said he had to go to work and he put up, he put in Emma, Emma. Emily Graham Comics episode was dropped today for okay, the, for the cool. Orange and Fat show. Cool, cool. You can go check that on Spotify. So I just told him good night. Yep. Good night, Tom. And have a safe that way you're listening, safe at work. That way, if he's listening to the audio replay later, he can hear it. Ack, yes. ack, Tom. Ack, ack, yeah. Ack, uh, Well, so then, me, Love, and Simon started working on Battle Hell again in 72, but did not get serious about it until the end of 74. Meatloaf didn't decide to leave theater and concentrate exclusively on music. He was also cast as an understudy for John Belushi in the National Lampoon show Lemmings. Oh, it was hmm. that it was at that National Lampoon show that Meatloaf met Ellen Foley, the co-star who sang "Paradise by the Dashboard Light" and "Bat Out of Hell" with my him on the song, album. By the way, that's mm-hmm. my favorite song. I. I love Pat. I love Paradise. It's the greatest baseball analogy I have ever heard in a song for fucking. Right. Exactly. It is the most wonderful euphemism ever I've ever heard. Yeah. It's done beautifully. I also love the part where the back and forth. Yeah, I love you know, it. You know, oh, when, yeah. When she's like, you know, give me an answer, boy. Give me, give me an answer. Yes. Let yes. me sleep on it. I love it. It's great. It's Let great. me sleep on it. Let me sleep on it. I'll give you an answer in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not do meatloaf justice there. So no. <laughs> we'll leave to him to sing. Yeah. Keep your day job, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meatloaf and Simon spent time seeking out a record deal. However, uh, their approaches were rejected by each record company because their songs did not fit any specific recognized music industry style. That's what makes it good. Yeah. Todd stood out. Yeah. Yeah. Rundergren. I know. Sorry, Todd. Didn't mean to fucking kill your name there, but I just (laughs) on the impression that he was under the impression that they already had a record deal agreed to produce the album as well as play lead guitar along with other members of his band Utopia and Max Weinberg. They then shopped the, the record around, but they still had no takers until Steve Popovich's Cleveland International Records took a chance, releasing Bat of the, Bat Out of Hell in October of 77. Did you just say Max Weinberg? Yeah, that's what I said. Oh my I think, God, uh, I didn't know that. I think Todd was part of that of that group, of his band. He was Conan's old band leader on The mm-hmm. Late Show, and he also played for Bruce Springsteen. As a drummer. Max Weinberg is a pretty good drummer. I didn't know that. That's so neat. Let's see. Max! 
Oh, so it probably was his his band, the Max Weinberg Seven. Yes. Cool. Yeah, there it is. Right. I don't even see. But yeah, that's cool. See, it always comes back to Colin. Colin. <laughs> there he is, right there. There it is. Well, I mean, just to kind of sidebar real for a second, it was like looking through, like going, okay, I want to put with special guest Shanti on on our one of our, some of our posts for the for the week. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going through, going, okay, everybody uses either the cat the Catwoman one, your Catwoman suit, or or the R two. And I'm like, fuck. I want something different. And I'm like, um, uh, like, and also I found that one on Instagram with Jackson. I'm like, there it is. That's the fucking one. <laughs> Brady dropped in. Brady, Brady. See, look, <laughs> holy blue wrenches. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the podcast that this has is the, the blue, blue wrench crew. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, make that trend. Make that oh, trend, everybody. Right Hashtag there, yeah, blue wrench crew. It. Hashtag, we need, we need to get a shirt that says that. Yes, we do. A Blue Wrench Crew. Yeah, I like it. Thank you, Sean. Marketing. It's all about marketing, baby. There you go. And then a girl says, we, yep, we all have we all have wrenches and Scott and Kim's chat. Take that, bots. Yeah, right? <laughs> they will lay up to smack it down on your fucking candy ass. That's right. I'm all pumped up because we're talking about rock, and I really do love, like, this is my decade. I love 70s rock. Like, it's just my absolute favorite. Right on. To me, it's when rock was really rock, you know? Yeah. And then maybe the 90s. So Meatloaf and Steinman formed the band Neverland Express to tour in support of Bad Out of Hell. First gig was opening for Cheap Trick in Chicago. Fuck Cheap Trick. God damn, I would have loved the man of that show. Yeah. Yo, where where the hell's Doc Brown? I need to go back in time. I know. <laughs> Meatloaf gained national exposure as a musical guest on Saturday Night Live on March 25th, 1978. Oh, in 78, he Meatloaf jumped off stage in Ottawa, Ontario, breaking his leg. He yep. finished his tour performing in a wheelchair. Out of Hell was sold has sold an estimated 43 million copies globally, including 15 million million in the United States, making it one of the best-selling albums of all time. The United Kingdom alone, it's 2.1 million sales put it in in 38th place, mm-hmm. despite peaking at number nine and spending only two weeks in the top 10 in 81. It has now spent... 485 weeks on the UK album charts. That was since May 2015. As of May 2015, a figure bettered only by rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, Fleetwood Mac. With 487 weeks. In Australia, it knocked the Bee Gees off the number one spot and became the biggest selling album of all time in that country. That Out of Hell has, as of December 2020, Spent a total of 522 weeks in the top 200 in the UK charts. I don't know how I feel about him knocking down the Bee Gees, but okay. Silver Spears 5150 says, I love that album. Right. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's it's, It's a great album. It is a great album. I mean, like I said, I even listen to that front to back, and I won't skip the song, Mm -hmm. and... 
Yeah. Oh, when he passed away, that was the first thing I did. I, I put on Bad, of it, Bad Out of Hell and I was rocking out in my <laughs> freaking apartment like a lunatic. Oh, it's Keith. It's Mr. Layman. Oh, I forget hi, he changed Keith. his name. I, I forget he changed his name up here on, on YouTube. Okay. Okay. So now I know who he is. What are your favorite songs of his? Who? Meatloaf. Me? You, both of you. Ah. Uh. Minus well, paradise. Er, everything well, for me, everything off of bad hell. So I, just the whole album. Yeah, the whole album. I respect I mean, that. If I had to choose, I mean, that's, that's something we thought about. Like, okay, we're gonna do like we did like the last two weeks, do a top five and top whatever albums. I'm like, no. I mean, as far as album goes, bat one, bat two, bat three, and then I'll include like welcome to the neighbor or some sh- welcome something, and then the one we just one of the add-ons. What was it, Hell in a Handbasket? Yeah, Hell in a Handbasket. We listened to that one today and went, okay, that one's pretty good too. That one kind of shocked me because there was actually a song when it came on, I can't remember the name of it now, the name of the song, but it was like, well, this is fucking country. Yeah. I just and feel like he had one of those voices that it was so good that even if the song sucked, it didn't matter because his voice right. was just so freaking awesome. Oh, yeah. Right. Beautiful, actually, is the word I would use. One yeah. thing I'm bummed about is... Mm-hmm. Not just with Apple, it's Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, pretty much all of them. They don't have all of his albums. What the fuck, guys? And I know, and I know it's not their fault. Uh-huh. It is the record company's fault. Hmm. And yeah. the ones that are really the ones that are missing are the ones that came out on Mercury, which is I can't remember the one before it, but is also Bat Three, but the monster is loose. Those are not out there on those platforms it's like fuck really because i have that three you know but there's that one before it came out in 2003 that i wanted to hear that guy uh james michael and nikki six helped co-wrote some songs with him on it that was welcome to, to was it welcome? no that wasn't that one there was another one. Oh, that's right because we couldn't find that one right because that's why i'm glad that like the days of having an actual ipod Remember iPods before oh, yeah. you know, the high whole iPhone thing? Yeah. I still have songs that I have transferred from iPod to iPod to the phone. And I'm glad that I did because if not, then I probably wouldn't have a lot of the meatloaf songs that I have if they're not on iTunes or Spotify. Correct. Right. I mean, I that- mean songs that I've downloaded since I was like 20 years old and I just mm-hmm. kept saving them and transferring them from computer to computer and putting it on my phone. Yeah. It's crazy. Exactly. I hate it when they do that. I do too. And and again, it's not, I know it's not the actual. No, it's not. It's, it's not. It's the record companies or publishers or whoever. Do owns. you know the artist Aaliyah? Yeah. Okay. It, her music only just now, I think, hit iTunes. It was impossible wow. to find any of her, of her music. And it, that really shocked me because she's been gone for so long. That I would think you would want people to have access to her right. music. And they just finally, so I, as soon as I finally saw that they put a lot of her music, download, 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 download. Because I used right. to love her music. So, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, just kind of go, I mean, I know like one artist, Garth mm-hmm. Brooks, only mm-hmm. allows his shit to be on Amazon. Interesting. He will not allow his stuff to go to Spotify. He won't allow it to go to Apple. It's their music. They can pick and choose. Uh, that's true. It, that's the thing is his music. He can do what he wants with it. Yeah. But, but yeah, if I had it. That sucks. I mean, yeah, I mean, really, Bat One, 
Bat Two, Bat Three, definitely album. I would listen to those just perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, two, three, and then while listening through some of the albums, going through it, like okay, this album's actually pretty fucking good. It's not the quality of right that that one, but then again, he did lose his he lost <laughs> his voice. Right. All right, man in the chat here. Your man in the chat? Yes. I'm not even sure if I even spelled it right. <laughs> <laughs> Just correcting Brady to correct Brady. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, you're right. There really is not anything that he has done that is bad. No. No. And I figured that out when we listened to all of the albums. Right, because on... Uh, Hell in a Handbasket. Yeah. He did a cover of California Dreaming. Dreamin'. Yeah. Now, it's different. And, of course, mm-hmm. as long as you clear your mind of Mamas and the Papas, the Papas and then, the yeah. Beach, and then Beach like- Boys doing it, you'll like it. But if oh, you yeah. can't clear your mind of the original with Mamas right, and the Papas right. and then the Beach Boys are covered in the 80s, you're not going to like it. Well, I liked his take on it. I really did. Just well, like I liked his take on... Um, that one that Celine made famous. I was going to bring that up because on Monster 3, he did uh, that one that Celine made famous. Fucking goddamn Kim. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because it was a Steinman song because he his his manager wouldn't let him do it. Um, I'll think of it here in a minute. Well, that was the other thing I wanted to bring up, too. Was Celine is in Celine Dion? Yeah. yeah. Celine By the Dion. Way, I love her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> too. There's a lot of music that I, you know, there's not very, there's very little music that I don't like. Let's see. It's all coming back, back to, to me, me now. now. Yes. Oh, I can totally hear him singing yeah. that. Yeah. I love his take on that. And I don't remember who he did it with, but he did it as a duet. Mm-hmm. He I did. totally and hear him singing that. It's a damn good version. I mean, yeah. I love Celine's, but. Yeah. Miles like me loves. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could not choose. If I had to choose, I'd be like, uh. Well, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I never got to listen to his albums until we listened to them for the podcast. But yeah, I mean, there's not one that he doesn't put his own take on and does a good job with. Right. Right. That is true. Now, he is somebody that. I wish that I could go back in time to see one of his concerts. Cause just looking oh, at the yeah. picture here, just looking here at the picture yeah. of, oh, yeah. of my background, yeah. like you could tell this guy put on a show. Look, <laughs> look how much he's fucking sweating. That's why I, I say know. like, uh-huh. he just impressed me. Cause I've seen, I think I've seen his behind the music on VH1 when I was in high school mm. and just seeing all the clips from his concerts and seeing his stamina and then not only the stamina, but then having to sing while he uh-huh. is all over the fucking stage. I mean, that is rock and roll. You know what I mean? Like that, him, Queen, Pink Floyd, like those are like, yes. those are like the three that I would love to have seen in, in concert. And the Stones. Definitely. And the Stones. I love the Rolling Stones. I'd even like to go back, uh, check out the Beatles. I would like to check out the Beatles. But I would want to see them. I don't know which. I guess around let it, around let, let it Be era. Yeah, yeah, me too. Where where they're not really the 
the teeny boppers anymore. Right. Where yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Where they're, really, where they're really getting serious about their music. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's probably why I like the White Album so much. I mean, I appreciate obviously because when they right. first came on board, but yeah, for the most part, it's it's their later stuff that I do listen to the most. Right. Well, I mean, it's the same thing can be said for like even like a lot of the boy bands, especially like NSYNC or not NSYNC, New Kids on the Block. Yeah. Their early shit was, yes. you know, all teeny bopper shit. And then as they gotten older, their their stuff today has gotten the a lot. That, you know. Yeah. My two best albums from them is the Hanging Tough one and then the Games Remix one. I love New Kids on the Block. I do too. <laughs> okay. Well, now we know Nicole, Shanti, and Kim. Well, there we go. We got our fucking next ladies night figured out. And I grew up in the boy band era, so I was a big Backstreet Boys fan. So. Well, then you know they're going to Vegas, right? What? Yes, they're going. They're doing a residency. Me, they're doing Vegas. a residency. Where's Nicole? That's right. They are. You know, my parents were up in the attic, and they were clearing some more stuff out, and they found some of my Backstreet Boys posters. Is that <laughs> my wall? They gave them to me. They're in my closet. You can't see it, but down the hall, there's a freaking NSYNC pop album. Or pop. Fuck them. <laughs> you're either no, in sync or you're Backstreet Boys, and that's the rule. Nah, that's like right, most. Brady. BSB for life. Backstreet's back, motherfuckers. Yeah, they teamed. I think they teamed up with New Kids on the Block to do a concert together. Yeah. Hell yeah. And now, I, I like them both. The only one yeah. I'll say fuck to, that's Justin Timberlake. I listen to both of them now, but really, like, back then, during the height of it, I was so like, no, I don't listen to NSYNC. I'm a Backstreet Boys girl. I love AJ. <laughs> well, I think it was the same thing with... No, because really, by the time in New Kids stopped, then we got All for One. Yes, and then yeah. I trans- then I well, no, 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 over to All for no, One. No, 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 there was one. It was two, three in the eighties. There was New Kids, Menudo, 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 and New Edition. And a lot of those, if you were New Kids, you weren't weren't supposed to like the other two. Yeah, that's the way. It I goes. remember that shit going. That's the rule. And I'm with you, Scott. I used to really like Justin Timberlake. After I didn't like him when he was in NSYNC. I liked him after he left, but now. I have a different opinion of him with the whole Britney Spears thing. I mean, it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like with like with my my Free hair Britney. metal shit. You know, Nikki Six was putting down Bon Jovi, and all of a sudden, all Molly fans, oh, you can't listen to Bon Bon Jovi. And we're like, I'll listen to Bon Jovi. I'll listen to Poison. I'll listen to Def Leppard. I don't fucking care if I like them. I listen to them. <laughs> Oh, Brady, now I have an earworm. I'm going to have to listen to Backstreet's Back when we get off of here. <laughs> oh, hell, then he's going, everybody rock your body. Yeah, man, I even remember the dance. My sister and I used to do the dance and everything. <laughs> uh, let's get to the 80s. Bro, well, actually, we'll get to 79. Simon started to work on Bad for Good, the intended follow-up to 77's Bad out out of hell during that time a combination of touring drugs and exhaustion had caused meatloaf to lose his voice without a singer and pressured by the record company Steinman decided to that he could sing on the bad for good himself and write a new album for meatloaf the result was dead ringer which was released in september of 81 now again the music this is i will say dead ringer is not that great of an album I mean, and the reason being is they messed it up with the producing. Right. <clears throat> they kept the music, in my opinion, where he would be hitting those high notes. Right. 
and he couldn't hit him anymore. Right, right, right. He'd already, he'd already lost what he had from bat. You know, and so they needed to drop the music down a key, and it would have been perfect. Perfect, yeah. So, unfortunately, for and this is the thing with Truthfully with Meatloaf, is everything in the 80s tanked. That's true. Nothing caught on for him. No. Yeah. Even when, even doing a duet with Cher. Yeah. It didn't help. You know, it's bad when not even Cher can save you. Right. <laughs> Man. Right. And uh, the, I just lost everything. I'm trying to skip a little bit too here. Uh, let's see. Uh, poor, poor management. Let's talk about poor management. Yeah, let's talk about poor management. <laughs> Uh, following a dispute with his former songwriter Jim Steinman, Meatloaf was contractually ob- obliged to release a new album resulting in Midnight at the Lost and Found, released in May 83. Again, it was done right. It wasn't that great, but it wasn't bad. No, right. It was, it was I mean, mediocre. It, it wasn't yeah. It wasn't bad out of hell, obviously. And that's the problem is everybody's like, well, you bad at when you start here. I know, that's the problem. You know, unfortunately, you go back, you go down. He came out too strong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. He um, did. So then everything gets compared to that afterwards. Yeah. It, it, it completely does. Uh, according to Meatloaf, Diamond, and this is May 83, Me- Meatloaf, according to Meatloaf, Diamond had given him the songs Total Eclipse of the Heart. Great song. And Making Love Out of Nothing at All to Meatloaf for this album. However, Meatloaf's record company did not want Meatloaf to sing Steinman's songs, saying that nobody wanted to hear them. Hmm. So then eventually Bonnie Tyler recorded Total Eclipse of the Heart, and Air Supply would make would sing Making Love Out of Nothing at All. And guess what? Those were big top yep. charts. Yep. Chart top. Choppers. Yep. Yep. Chart Matter of fact, at one point, both songs were number one and number two for a period of time in 1983. Poor Meatloaf. Right? Meatloaf is credited with having been involved in the writing of some of the tracks on the album, including the title track, Midnight at the Lost and Found. Anyways, poor Manny, poor Manny, poor money management, as well as 45 lawsuits, totaling $80 million, including ones from Steinman, resulted in Meatloaf filing for personal bankruptcy in 83. Mm -hmm. The bankruptcy resulted in Meatloaf losing the rights to his songs. Although he received royalties for Bad Out of Hell in 1997. Good for him. 84, Meatloaf went to England where he felt increasingly at home to record the album Bad Attitude, which is not a bad album, actually. It was released that year. It features two songs by Simon, both previously recorded Nowhere Fast and Surf's Up. The American release on RCA Records was on, was on April, in April 1985. Features a slightly different track list as well as alternate mixes for the songs. The title track, a duet with the Who's lead singer Roger Daltrey. Sweet. It was a minor success with a few commercially successful singles, the most successful being Modern Girl. 85 Meatloaf took part in some comedy sketches in the UK with Hugh Laurie. Meatloaf (gasps) also tried stand up comedy, appearing several times in Connecticut. Hugh Laurie. Meatloaf worked with uh, songwriter John Parr for his next album, Blind Before I Stop, mm-hmm. which was released in 1986 on, by Arista Records. 
86, birth year. <laughs> 86, what the fuck? Shells, you're going to be 15. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the, cool, the cool part is like, you were born in 86, but you're definitely in our, you're definitely a Gen Xer. I'm such an, I, that's, yeah, and it's so funny. I've been hearing so much uh, bashing towards millennials lately, and I'm like, dude, don't include me in that group, because believe me, there is a certain line. I'm right on that line, and right. I feel so much more on the Gen X side. Not right. only that, well, I'm a very old soul. My, my my daughter, I mean, she was born in, Hannah was born in 93, and she's not even a millennial. No. I mean, she may have been born in it. Yeah. For it, but she is definitely and I a would, Gen Xer. And I would still say it's Gen Z, which is which Gen came Z. after okay, the there. millennial. That's really okay. the problem. <laughs> <laughs> the millennials. We work, okay? Yeah. Um, all of my friends who are millennials, we freaking work. It's the Gen Z that wants to make a career out of TikTok. So stop bashing millennials, everyone. Exactly. Anyways, the album uh, Blind Before I Saw features production, mixing, and general influence by Frank Farron. Meatloaf was involved in the composition of three of the songs on the album. They also performed Thrashing for the soundtrack of the 1986 skateboarding film Thrashing, directed by David Winters and starring Josh Brolin. Oh. I remember that fucking movie. Okay, I heard of it, but... Following in the 1990s, Following the success of Meatloaf's touring in the 80s, he and Steinman began work during December of 1990 on Bad of the Hell 2, out of Hell 2, Back into Hell, which was released in September of 93. Oh, it took him three years. <laughs> the fucking goddamn first song is 12 fucking minutes long. Yeah, I know. It's the 12 minute I, <laughs> I would do anything Christ. for love, but I won't do that. I remember... Seeing the video and whatnot on MT or no, it was on where we lived, we didn't have MTV, so it was on night tracks and shit. Yeah. And when that CD came out, and I went to go play it, you know, you know, everybody remembers the uh -huh. jukeboxes that had CDs in them. Oh yeah. And they had the full length, all the full albums in there. And you're like, okay, yeah, I want to hear that song. And you're like, listen, I'm like, this isn't what I heard on the fucking radio. <laughs> also, you look at it, a twelve fucking minute song, like, well, I just got my money's worth. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Anyways, yes, I Do Anything for Love is 12 minutes. Wow. And the single reached number one in 28 countries in March of 94. At the 36th Annual Grammy Awards, Meatloaf won the Grammy Award for Best Rock Vocal Performance Solo for I Do Anything for Love. Yay. And before we go too far into that, one thing, I, I when I was looking this up, I found something interesting. Just before... He started working with Stein and he hired a new manager. Okay. He hired a man called named Alan Kovac. Now, for people, I mean, maybe I might have mentioned it on my Motley Crue episode we did almost four fucking years ago. <clears throat> Alan Kovac is the guy that came in and became Motley Crue's manager in the late 90s. And he's the one that kicked out John Karabi and brought Vince Neil back in the band to bring the original crew back together which I find ironic because when they went into the studio, Alan Kovac actually was shooting this song down. He told Steinman, you're fucking crazy. 
It can't be 12 fucking minutes long. No radio station will play anything over five minutes. Right. And they got it down to five minutes and 16 seconds for the single. And it got played. Wow. But Stein, but Kovac actually was, was telling me, and Meatloaf was actually starting to stand up to Steinman a little bit on this good. album, too, but, which is good, because he need, needed to as an artist. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah. Sometimes just, these guys want to take full control, and it's like, dude, you got to right. let them create. Exactly. I mean, you got to let the artist take the song and make that song his. And they're the I ones mean, doing you, all the performing. You, know, you may fucking wrote the damn thing, but when it comes down to it, he's singing it. Yeah. Right. You know, but anyways, the song stayed at number one in the UK chart for seven consecutive weeks. Single featured a female vocalist who was credited only as Miss Loud. I'm sorry, Mrs. Loud. Mrs. Loud was later identified as Lorraine Crosby, a performer from England. Meatloaf promoted the song with American vocalist Patty Russo, who performed lead vocal female vocals on tour with him. Also in 94, he sang the U.S. National Anthem, the Star Spangled Banner at... Banner? Banner? Really, Scott? Banner. 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 At MLB's All-Star Game. He released the single Rock and Roll Dreams Come Through, which reached number 13 in the United States. Another good one. Yep. 95, he comes back with his seventh album, Welcome to the Neighborhood. Again, this album also went platinum. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Because we were some buy, album buying fools back then. Yes, we were. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait. Well, I want that song. Oh, fuck. I want the whole CD. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it included three singles, three singles that hit the top 40, including I Lie for You and That's the Truth, which reached number 13 in the U.S. and number two in the U.K., and not a dry eye in the house, which reached number seven in the UK chart. And also, Patty Russo also duetted with him on "I'd Lie for You," and that's the truth. And she still was touring with Meatloaf and singing on his album since '93. Of the twelve songs on the album, two were two were written by Simon, both cover versions: the original "Sin" from Pandora's Box, the original "Sin" album, and "Left in the Dark." First appeared on Steinman's own Bad for Good, as well as the 1984 album Emotion, Emotion by Barbara Streisand. His other singles, I'd Like, I'd Lie for You, and That's the Truth, and Not a Dry in the House, were written by Diane Warren. Hmm. Okay. In 1998, Meat Loaf released the very best of Meat Loaf. The album featured three new songs co written by Steinman. Two with Andrew Lloyd Webber and really? one with Don Black. Is Nothing Sacred, released as a single, the single version of the song, is a duet with Patty Russo, whereas the album version is a solo song by Meatloaf. Oh, I hate when they fucking do that. I know. Like, I want both versions. <laughs> Anyways, in the 2000s and 2003, Meatloaf released the album Could Have, Couldn't Have Said It Better, which includes songwriting duties with James Michael and Nikki Six, which is kind of ironic because two years later, those two would team up and form 6 a.m. Yeah. with DJ Ashba. Yep. So I find that interesting because I'm like, hey, they were writing songs back then, but I think they actually wrote a song in 98 too, if I remember right. Nikki and them. Uh, Meatloaf claimed that could have said better was the most perfect album he had 
he did since Bat Out of Hell. It was not commercially successful. The album was a minor commercial success worldwide and reached number four on the UK album charts. Hey, America's hard to please. It is. Yes, yeah, they are. Uh, November 17, 2003, during a performance at London's Wembley Arena on his Couldn't Have Said It Better tour, he collapsed of what was later diagnosed as Wolf-Parkinson-White Syndrome, a condition marked by an extra electrical pathway in the heart, which causes symptoms like a rapid heartbeat. The following week, he went, underwent a surgical procedure intended to correct the problem. As a result, Meatloaf's insurance agency did not allow him to perform for any longer than one hour and 45 minutes. Oh, that had to kill. That had to hurt him. Oh, yes. You know, he's, he's probably by then he's used to doing two, two and a half hour shows. Yes. I got to tell you, as sad as I was when he passed away, my first thought was he is fucking lucky he lived as long as he did. Right. Hey, Isaac. Honestly. Hey, Isaac. Isaac. In the chat. Good night, Brady. Night, Brady. Good night, Brady. Catch you tomorrow night, sir. Can't on wait. On the episode 100. Snickers. I wish I had the fucking mask right now. I know. You should all buy the Yoda mask. <laughs> there you go. Y'all, y'all. I know we can't make it for Scare of Live this year or Scare of Con. Just a that's, what guys, that's what you guys all ought to do. Yeah. Everyone should get that fucking mask and then wait for Brady at the bar or something and everybody fucking wear it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I was going to say, I wish I had thought of it earlier so I could have popped into the stream tomorrow for their 100th episode with the mask on. Right. But I like that idea better. <laughs> Brady's like, fuck you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly wish I had to go teat. <laughs> I got to talk to Kelly. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, February 20th and 22nd, 2004, during an Australian tour, Meatloaf performed with Melbourne Symphony Orchestra in a set of concerts recorded for the album Bat Out of Hell live with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Now I want to find that. Some shit works that way and some shit doesn't. Yes, it does. Kiss didn't work that way. No. I, as far as I'm concerned, neither did Metallica. No. But that's just my opinion. And I always say, opinions are like assholes. We all have one. <laughs> Meatloaf and Steinman had begun work on the third installment of Bat Out of Hell. When Steinman suffered a heart attack, according to Meatloaf, Steinman was too ill to work on such an intense project, while Steinman's manager said health was not an issue. Steinman had registered the phrase Bat Out of Hell as a trademark in 1995. In May 06, Meatloaf Suits Diamond and his manager in federal district court in Los Angeles seeking $50 million and an injunction against Diamond's use of the phrase. Diamond and his representative attempted to block the album's release, which is about to help part three or number three. An agreement was re reached in July of 2006, denying reports in the press over the years of rift between Meatloaf and Diamond. In an interview with Dan Rather, Meatloaf said that he and Steinman never stopped talking and that the lawsuits re reported in the press were between lawyers and managers and not between Meatloaf and Steinman. Hmm. Okay. The, civil. Yeah. yeah, very civil. October 31st, 2006, perfect day to release an album, Bat Out of Hell 3, especially when it's called Bat, and got the subtitle of The Monster is Loose, 
was released and was produced by Desmond Child. Do you know who Desmond Child is, Kim? Sounds familiar, but I'm not. Don't know. I do not. Desmond Child wrote <laughs> a bunch of Jovi hits on Slippery When Wet. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. He is the mastermind behind uh, Eagle Level Band Name, Living on a Prayer. He also, I think, co-wrote the song Do Looks, Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith. Really? Which that song's about Miss Neil Motley Crue. Yes, but hmm. it fits so it fits so well with Miss Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hello. Hello. There, that was perfect. Good job. Uh, the first single from it was "It's All Coming Back to Me Now," featuring Marion Raven, and was released on October sixteenth, two thousand six. It entered the UK charts at number six giving Meatloaf his highest UK chart position in nearly 11 years. The album debuted at number eight on the Billboard 200, and it sold 81,000 copies in its opening week. Not bad for 2006. Not bad at yeah, all. Yeah, not at all. I mean, that's, that's the early days. Of, you know, that's iTunes days, and that's where everybody's starting to slowly make that switch over mm-hmm. to digital. Digital, yep, digital downloads. Not only that, who was still paying attention to him? So that's even, that's really good. Yes. <clears throat> I was. One of the few. Well, I mean, a lot of it happened just because, you know, again, you know, 06, we're dealing with still the infant days. The, I, I would say probably the, the terrible twos of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and you started, you know, what was it, MySpace back then? Yeah. There's yeah, still my, MySpace. Still had MySpace, which then was really good for music. It was. Regardless if you were independent or if you were a national recording artist. Mm-hmm. And so it was really easy to really keep up with what everybody was doing. And then we all Space switched to Facebook. Michael. I know. I'm Hi, Tom. Tom. Hi, Tom. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> first Facebook friend. Right? Tom. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Anyways, uh, da, 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 da. but after that, it did not sell as well in the United States and yielded no hit singles, although it was certified gold. The album also featured duets with Patty Russo and Jennifer Hudson. In the weeks following the release of Bat 3, Meatloaf and Neverland Express did a brief tour of the U.S. and Europe, known as the Bases Are Loaded Tour. In October 2006, Meatloaf private jet had to make an emergency landing at London's Stansted airport after the plane's forward landing gear failed. Fuck. Oh, jeez. Jesus Christ. Talk about a rough landing. <laughs> My worst fear. <laughs> uh, in 2007, Meatloaf began the Seize the Night tour with Marion Raven serving as supporting act. Portions of the tour in February 2007 were featured in the documentary Meatloaf in Search of Paradise, directed by David or Bruce David Klein. The film was an official selection at the Montreal World Film Festival in 2007. It opened in theaters March 2008. I do not remember this at all. And was released on DVD in May of 2008. Oh, I got to find this shit now. Yeah. eBay. Almost. Yeah, most definitely. Damn. Then, Jesus Christ. So then after that tour, he had to cancel a show in uh, Wembley in November 6, 2007. And in the entire, he also canceled the reigning 
European tour after being diagnosed with a cyst on his vocal cords. Oh. January 27, 2008, Meatloaf began the Casa de Carney tour in Plymouth, England, alongside his longtime duet partner, Patty Russo, who debuted one of her own original songs during the show. Nice. Tour continued through July and August, and with 20 dates throughout England, Ireland, Germany, Portugal, the Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark. Six U.S. shows were added for October and December of 08. 2009, in May 2009, Meatloaf began work on the album Hang Cool Teddy Bear. This another one's not on iTunes. Yeah. And in the studio with Green Day's American Idiot album producer Rob Cavallo, working with such writers as Justin Hawkins, Rick Brantley, Ollie, Ollie Ride, Tommy Hendrickson, and John Bon Jovi. Nice. Oh, damn. Nice. First single from the album was Lost. Angelis, Angeloser. Los Angeloser? That's what it says. A N G E L O S E R. Los Angeloser. Unless it's got, unless that's a, needs to be said with uh, Spanish influence, and then I'm fucking screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was released for download on April 5th with the album charting at number four in the UK on April 25th, 2010. Damn. And in 2010, he released Hell in the Hand Basket, released October 2011 in Australia and New Zealand, and February 2012 for the rest of the world. That's fucked up. Hey, you gotta. <laughs> what ju- the hell? <laughs> you gotta just release when you can. I guess. It was re- re- recorded <laughs> by Paul Crook. Doe McKean did the mix and input from Rob Cavallo. The album featured songs. Called All of Me, Blue Sky, The Giving Tree, Mad Mad World, and the duet with Patty Russo called Our Love and Our Souls. 2011, Meatloaf planned to release a Christmas album called Aww. Hot Holidays featuring Garth Brooks and Reba McIntyre, but the album was never released. Fuck. Oh, that would have been good. Uh, like, okay, let's get it out now. He's yeah, on. He's I want to hear that. Christmas. Exactly. I want to hear it too. Yeah. In September 2016, Braver Than We Are, a 10-track album created with Jim Steinman, was released. Meatloaf recorded reworked versions of Steinman's songs, Braver Than We Are, Speaking in Tongues, Who Needs the Young, and more, previously recorded by the Sisters of Mercy, for the album. Additionally, the song Prize Fight Lover, originally issued as a download-only bonus track for Hang Cool Teddy, for Hang Cool Teddy Bear, was re-recorded for the album. Later projects in January 2020, during an interview uh, for the Mirror Meatloaf, announced, I'm not old. I've got songs for the Nutter record, and I'm reading a script. In February 2020, Facebook post, Meatloaf announced his intention to record a new album containing four or five new tracks, including Steinman's What Part of My Body Hurts the Most, <laughs> a song long requested by fans but previously under contract restrictions for the Bat Out of Hell musical. Along with the original 1975 demo recordings made for the Bat Out of Hell album, Meatloaf's longtime collaborator, Jen Steinman, died April 19th, 2021, of kidney failure. Oh, wow. In a Facebook post in November 2021, he further elaborated that he and his band 
would be returning to the studio in January 2022 to record seven new songs for a forthcoming album, which would also include light tracks from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. However, on January 20th, 2022, he suddenly died at age 74. At the time of his death, the recording process had not yet begun. So sad. Yeah. Damn. Damn it. And th- and now those songs will probably never be. Well, you know, it never began. So, but I mean, yeah. But there, are, let's it's, okay. But let's look at. I mean, you want to look at something like look at Prince, right? Yeah. His family now controls his estate. All, yeah. His estate, and they control all of his previously unreleased shit. Yeah. Right? You know, so and there's and the a lot, is, right? And so the good thing is, is I guarantee Pearl controls everything from her dad. I would think. And I don't know if anybody else knows this, but Pearl is married to Scott Ian, who is the guitar player of Anthrax. Oh, cool! <laughs> also, love how they um, Bat Three. I forgot to mention this. They and the reason why I love Bat Three so much is because it gone towards hard rock and metal. Yes, it did. It had that flair of. I mean, there were songs in there written by John Five <laughs> on that album. But, yeah, I, in my opinion, me, besides maybe Dead Reiner, mm-hmm. everything else I've ever heard Meat Loaf perform on has never been bad. Yes. Yeah. he's And it's like, you know, Shanti brought up, he's got that Broadway voice, but it's rock. Right. Colby, you better watch what you say. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh shit. Hey Colby, you know you don't have a wrench. No, you don't. She does. <laughs> but I Leonard do. Girl, Leonard Girl's got one too. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Kids. Children. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so No, Isaac, I don't think Brady left because you got this. <laughs> no, no, no. But so Kim. Did you ever answer? Because I know Shanti asked a question. What are what? She asked me what my favorite ones were. Oh yeah, what's your what's your favorite meatloaf song? Mine is uh, I would do anything for love. The one, the rock and roll one that we were discussing off of one of them. Hot patootie. Hot. No, that that's also <laughs> my favorite too. <laughs> and then. Um, yes. And then um, it's all coming back to me. I love his version of that one. And then I also like Paradise. Uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you a quick because obviously you pretty much heard you know me after Bad Out of Hell. I mean, we, we all did, but I mean, you didn't hear Bad Out of, the first Bad Out of Hell album until you got with me, right? That's true. Until we just listened to it. Yes. True. So what's your thoughts of that album? Oh, I love it. It was. Good. Oh, I love that album. That's actually one of my favorite ones out of all of them we listened to. That is the top number one album I like. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, you know, you know, if, if I had to put them in order, you know, like a top five, well, number one would be Bat One. Yes. Number two would be Bat Two, and then Bat Three. Yes. And then you know, mixing the other ones here and there, you know, yeah. after that. Yes, I like. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Bat, Bat, Bat Two, and Bat Three. I love all of the Bat Out of Hell albums. They, I just love them. And he had, in all of them, you can just feel the difference in the time change with his voice. I love the way he did the time change. You can feel everything with his His voice. voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love the way he threw time changes in there. 
and then went back and forth. And I just, I love to hear him sing. <laughs> well, and the thing is, most people don't catch, like most music listeners who haven't been, you know, either in choir or in a high school band or, you know, did any type of music themselves in school, they usually don't catch a lot of those time changes. Unless, you know, unless they've been a student of music. Yeah. You know, I mean, and even there are people who even if you haven't, but they studied music even as an adult, mm-hmm. they can catch that shit. Yes. A lot of people will not catch the time nope. changes so right. quick. They will. The back and forth and whatnot. They just like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then I'm just like, fuck, oh, I love that. Okay. Well, we were just in this fucking yeah. time s- scale, yeah, time yeah. spot, and now we're yeah. down in there. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh fuck, now we're back over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So what about you, Sean? R.I.P. Yes, definitely R.I.P. Meatloaf. Yes. You got a favorite, favorite, favorite? Well, yeah, I guess you just said Paradise. Paradise. Right? Paradise is my top, and then I love uh, two out of three in bed. That's a good one too. Yeah, I like that one. And then yeah. I don't know what my third would be. <laughs> it's hard to pick. It is. It's hard to pick. He had such a voice and he was such a performer. Oh, yeah. That's like, (laughs) you could just. And again, I love it when musicians are able to, even though it sounds like he started right at the same time, but I do love it when musicians can cross over into acting so beautifully. Yes. Yes. And he did enough work that I'm, I'm actually really impressed with some of his acting. Yes. It's really good. I can name a couple other singers that shocked me in their acting. And one is Dwight Yoakam. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. He, he came into the Panic Room oh, movie oh. with Jodie Foster oh, and yeah. Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. And holy fuck. Yeah. One, you're so used to, like, for country fans, you're used to seeing him in his cowboy hat. All of a sudden, dude's wearing fucking ski mask because yeah. he's a robber. Bat. I'm like, mm-hmm. God, did, but he, God, he played a hell of a part. Yeah, but it's really amazing. Anyways, you know what? I'm going to touch one other thing. What? First of what? all, thank you for coming on. Sure, absolutely. We enjoyed it. Definitely got to have you on more often. Sure. Yeah, I know what you're planning. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's definitely going to be another ladies, ladies, yeah. ladies night, and, and we'll definitely go Shanti and Nicole because we, we, I mean, fucking new kids on the block. Yes. Oh. See? Yes. But, I, I mean, like that idea. You know, one of these days, one of these days we'll have to do. Ladies take over again. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was a great show. It was a great show With last Scott time. Scott lurking in the background. <laughs> Turning the, the light on and off. <laughs> oh, so yeah, because I'm going to check. Hey, watch this. What the fuck is he doing back there? <laughs> it may not, depending on when, well, yeah, you might be able to see, you'll see it. Cause it was so funny. Now, now, now we're three hours off to fucking east. I got going to spend the next month fucking remembering that. Oh, just ask me. I'll tell you. Thank God. There you go. Somebody's got to keep me in line. I was going to just say keep him in line. <laughs> I will. Yeah, Scott. But yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely got to have you back on. And I do. I got one question for you. I know you just saw a movie in the theaters. Now. We don't go to theaters anymore, so we'll be waiting for it to come out. And mainly because I don't just don't want to deal with fucking people anymore in my life. April nineteenth. April nineteenth. HBO Max. April nineteenth. That's April. ironic. You know why, why? that's ironic? Because that's our four-year anniversary. No way. For, for 
the podcast. Yeah. Oh no way. Yeah. April nineteenth was my first was the first episode I released. Oh my god! So, so you should watch it that day and. Yeah. Well, actually, we're, oh gonna, we're gonna we're, we're gonna try to get a bunch of people on just to shoot the shit. Cool. <laughs> you know, people can ask us questions and whatnot. Oh, count me in. But, okay. Anyways, your thoughts on I give everybody shit, and this is me giving shit because one, I call him the Mormon vampire. He done he done Harry Potter long before. He I know. That. I okay. He was in Harry was a, Potter for three seconds. Yeah, I well, know, right. And I know, but I'm just saying. Here. I'm just saying. Anyways, he's a, he played a Mormon vampire. You can give me all you give me that look all you want. She went to BYU school. It's a Mormon vampire. No, it's her vamp. It's her take on vampires. But Mormon you vampire. Can, you can put him in any role, and he'll he'll. Hit that roll. No, anyways, I give it, but I do it to tease because when I, I still heard don't it, I'm understand like, why people give him shit as the actor playing a part of a book that was not written by him. Right, I know. Go yeah. find Stephanie Meyer and send yeah. her to hell. She's the one who wrote this bullshit and made vampires are all sparkly and crap. Like I don't understand it. This is a working mm-hmm. actor who was given an incredible chance to get all this exposure and as an yeah. as someone who's always wanted to act themselves i would have taken twilight in two seconds and i fucking right. hate those books and hate them and yeah as somebody them. who has seen those fucking movies me too i for me the second one i loved it yeah. mainly because of the werewolf parts but i will give robert pattison credit because he fucking knocked the part out did what he fun. could with this stupid I mean, fucking material right? yeah exactly exactly and then the only other one i really liked out of that whole series was the second one of breaking oh, the dawn part two. yeah when alice shows when they fucking show the vision yeah she shows to aro i did like was, breaking dawn i did like breaking dawn part two and only and only just just barely you know it, well mainly because you know it's like i her her sister couldn't move, couldn't go to the theater so we waited for it to come out, and then HBO or DirecTV did a thing where they were going to release it on pay-per-view three. It was like, no, it was the night of the fucking original release in yes. theaters. Yes. They released on HBO, and so we bought it so she could see it at home, and we're we're watching this fucking movie, and all of a sudden that part happens. I'm like, I'm thinking, I've read these fucking books. Yeah. Where the fuck was this in the book? Yeah, because yeah. it wasn't, yeah. So after you the movie, had a problem over, with that, actually. We, we have two copies of fucking Breaking Dawn, and we're both fucking... Like, looking at <laughs> Where the fuck is it? Yeah, well... And then it dawned on me, because in Breaking Dawn, uh, Bella says, mentions that Alice showed him something that went right. fucking cool. Yeah, they brought it to the screen yeah, on anyways. what her vision may have been. Yeah. But... Well, the thing is, is I know every like... question? The question is... Just played a very important character for now. I'm gonna rephr- I'm gonna phrase this to everybody because everybody gotta understand that my take on this. Who originally saw when he saw the trailer for Batman '89 mm-hmm. said, "Michael Keaton, fuck it, I'm not seeing this dumb fucking movie." That's what a lot of people said until the end of that trailer when Jack Nicholson showed up as Joker. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, I want to see this fucking movie." <laughs> And I love Michael Keaton as Batman Bruce Wayne. But your thoughts on Robert Pattinson as Batman Bruce Wayne? 
he is the truest representation that we've seen of Batman on screen. And I want to see it a third time, actually, before it goes to HBO Max. Because I've already seen it twice. Right on. And I absolutely loved the movie. And everyone needs to back the fuck up off of Robert Pattinson. Because he was phenomenal. And... He looked good in the bat suit, and I just don't mean like attractive. Like he just he looked good in the bat suit. You know, you'll hear me and Tina talking about on Thursday. His jawline was just perfect. I thought he did a really good job of portraying a second year Batman because it's only his second year as Batman. Right. So you have to remember that we're kind of this is like prequels. This is like if we're going with Star Wars, this is prequels. Yeah. You know, this is back in well and. Honestly, I would go into the movie with a very clear mind and I would try and do your very best to not to compare it. Because I find it, I know everyone wants to compare it to all the previous Batman movies that we've had and all the previous, but you just, you just cannot because they're in different periods of Batman's career. It's different directors. It's, it's different visions. So everyone wants Mm -hmm. to compare it to the Nolan ones. I don't really think that's fair. You have to just look at it as a standalone. Yeah. At least it's not Schumacher. Oh gosh, don't even get me started on his. No, Batman. I don't like to speak ill of the dead. So rest in peace, oh. Schumacher. But what the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What did you do? Uh huh. I. I. Oh. Well, I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna, I want to say this as much because we did see the trailer. Mm-hmm. We saw the trailer when I it came out. I want to see it. <laughs> and even though it was Robert Pattinson, I did not go. Oh, look, it's Sparkly Boy, did I? I did no. not say anything about oh, Sparkly. Okay. Well, I'm like, I appreciate. Holy fucking shit! I want to see this fucking yeah, movie. He's yeah. good. But I just don't want to go to the theater and see it. He's good. Just because I don't even plan to go to the theater for any Star Wars movies. I got gotcha. you. I mean, I gotcha. last fucking stop buzzing me. <laughs> Hannah get, gave me her fucking Apple Watch, and I had so to get rid of mine. I had to sell time, mine. Every time I turn around, this fucking thing, like it I'm kept telling in. me my heart rate was up, and I was like, I can't oh. with this anymore because I suffer from anxiety. And I'm like, you know what? You oh, telling me yeah. that my heart rate is constantly going up is it's making go. my heart race even more. So I was like, right. you know what? I can't deal with this anymore, and I got rid of it. I was like, I can't have it anymore. Anyway, so you know what? You know what, what, you know what we forgot to talk about what? All right, Apple. Besides Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible advertisement, by the way, for the Apple Watch. I'm so sorry. You know what we forgot to talk about? What? Kenobi. Hey, I want to see that. I don't know about Kenobi. you, but hey, I want to see that. No, I'm just joking. I'm <laughs> fucking with everybody. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Tears. Tears <sighs> came out of my eyes watching Oh, God, on. right? Once I heard Duel of the Fates, that was it for yeah, me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. As soon as I hear that John Williams music. I've said it oh, yeah. once and I'll say it again. 90% of the magic of Star Wars comes from John Williams' music. It you know, does. I'm it does. Not, because uh, I didn't feel that magic during Boba Fett. And as much as Mandalorian is more Western, so I understand the more Western-like music. And I think the Mandalorian's great. It still doesn't feel like Star Wars because of the music. And if there is one thing that you kept hearing across the board on Twitter was... Oh, when I heard Duel of the Fates, it just gave me good. Like, I'm telling you, try. My mom and I were just having a discussion about this last night. Take Star Wars and apply music that you would hear in, like, Star Trek. Like, more sci-fi-ish music. And Mm -hmm. plug that into Star Wars. I assure you, 
you will not have that same that same feeling without John Williams and the music. Those movies suck. I honestly, I, I I would say Star Wars wouldn't probably do as well. That's what gives I mean, it that fantasy feel versus yes. a sci-fi feel. Yep. I mean, we all pretty much agree that Lucas, his writing style, his dialogue is all suck. Yeah, it's you know, and that's the one thing that hurt you know not only Hayden but also hurt Jake Lloyd. Yes, yeah. it did. You know, was the shit that he wrote for them. Yeah. And without John Williams, I, I, mean, I, I just don't see Star Wars being as big as it is. No, no. Uh, that's my personal opinion. I mean, yeah, don't get here. me wrong. Thank you, George Lucas. Thank you for yeah. creating this. I think it's a beautiful world that you've developed for us. But Rose going to kill me because he loves George so much. <laughs> but he's a dick. In real life, he's a dick. I don't like him as a person. I don't think he's a good director. Hey, I've heard. I've heard. He's, he's not thing. an actor. He's not an actor's director at all. Mm. You know, and you're right. He can't. He can't write for anything. He tried to make it too fluff, too Shakespearean, and it just the Padme Anakin stuff just made me want to gag. Right. Yeah. And, like and, gag. Like you know, I've also heard that about a couple other people, a couple other or actually other celebrities. I've so heard that about there, Daniels. I'll tell he you can a story. be. I got a story jerk. for you. And I've also heard the same thing about Carl Malone. Really? Yeah, I, a gal I worked with in Taco Bell, she had actually worked in McDonald's in um, Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. and that's where Malone played basketball for the Utah Jazz. Uh-huh. He came in one night, or after whatnot, ordered some ice cream and whatnot, and they were taking their time, and he got to the window and goes, don't you know who the fuck I am? I'm I hate like, it when celebrities do that. I do too because it I makes hate it, it when they do that. Like, yeah. it you're not above fucking anybody, man. No. Well, I have a story for you about George Lucas. Okay, there is a museum in I want to say Saint Martin because I used to do a lot of cruising before the pandemic hit, and my ex and I at the time had watched a Travel Channel. And they happened to be doing a special on St. Martin. And they said, one of the things that you have to go see is a museum there called that Yoda guy. And it is a man who opened this museum up with his wife. And he was one of the people who actually worked on, I guess, constructing the Yoda uh, puppet for Empire Strikes Back. And the museum has some original script pages. It has, I mean, it's really incredible. And he's super nice. His wife is always there too. And I've been there twice and I actually got to chat with the both of them. Neither one of them had anything nice to say about George Lucas. The wife said, I would, I would, I would spend all day talking to Steven Spielberg. She said before I would talk to George Lucas, he said that, that, you know, it, it was, they worked the staff to the bone, I guess. Cause you know, everything was filming in UK. So I don't know what the labor hours are like over there, but I heard like they really worked the, that poor crew to death. You know, I really actually, took advantage. I've read that from other uh, actors and, and, and crew behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Of all six movies. Yeah. So that George was involved. Just in. because you gave us this doesn't mean I have to like you. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's that's my whole thing. That that's why I always preface it by saying, Thank you for Star Wars, but you're kind of a dick. Right. <laughs> so right. well, 
Again, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. Yeah, sure. Had a blast. And what do you got coming up? So, uh, tomorrow actually is uh, Escape Pod's 100th episode, and I'm actually going to stop by really quick just to say hi and tell them some of my favorite moments. And then on Thursday, um, Press Play is currently on hiatus for a little while, but I'm doing a special episode with my buddy Tina, uh, Josh Sith Care Bear, and DB Dragon Buddy, and we are going to talk about all things Batman. And that should be really fun because I have control. And... <laughs> We're probably going to get drunk on the stream. And then um, I'm sure we have Scarif Live on Saturday, but we haven't chosen a topic for that yet. But that's what I have this week. So I'm busy. So I had Ooh. you guys today. Ooh. I had one tomorrow and then one on Thursday. So I'm busy. busy. Oh, right. and he's not part of Red 5 Network, but I'm sure you've heard his name thrown out. I am also doing an episode with our friend Joker Voice. Yes. And we are going to talk about the Batman and I want to say that that is, oh man, that is the 17th. Did I just double book myself? I got to go look at my planner. <laughs> it's either tomorrow or Thursday. So that's not good. Um, and I can't cancel again because I, I had to reschedule Thursday's episode to this week. So you, you oh, may, you may want to get, get Lunar Girl be your. Uh, I have a planner. Of- I just haven't looked at it. <laughs> I had no intention of rescheduling for this Thursday is the problem. Right, now I just right. realized, okay. Well, oh, shit. There's that. Yeah. Double book. All right. Cool. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you, you for coming on. I love Meatloaf. Rest in peace, sir. Exactly. Yes. Definitely rest in peace, Meatloaf. Yes. And we're going to go kick you in. I kick you. <laughs> Put you in the back. Same area for a moment. And we'll chat afterwards. But we're going to let everybody know what the fuck we got coming up next week. Because we got more special guests next week. And we are going to be bringing on Mikey and Hannah to speak about him. him. Yes. Which is another group that we've got to do our homework on. Yes, we do. I love this because we're doing homework on different groups that I, well, him I haven't heard of, but Meatloaf I had, but hadn't listened to a lot of his music. Right. It's a group, by the way. I know it is. And I okay. believe they were on the award show that we watched. They weren't. Oh, wow. They were something. It wasn't him. It was her. You're getting all your acronyms fucked up. No. Yes. I'm not. I guarantee you are. All right. All right. Anyways, thank you, everybody, for jumping by, stopping by, saying, hey, watching us live. And until next week. Thank thank you to uh, General Shinobi for being our guest tonight. Exactly. Always love having Sean and on. for Colby and Mikey and Isaac, Tom, Brady, Dragon Buddy, Dragon Buddy Luna, Luna Girl, Girl, Steve, Hannah, Hannah, Keith, all of our people that participated in the chat tonight. Thanks again. It made the chat very active. <laughs> it did. It made it fun. It did. And uh, yeah, after this stream, go and check out. Rogue One Radio, they should be live right now. I yes, not what should. their topic is for tonight, but, you know, that is Steve and Nicole and DJ. They always have a great fucking show lined up. And until next week. Remember to hit that like button, give a thumbs up, and hit the bell to be notified. Till next week. Have a great week. And a great weekend. Be kind to everyone. And peace. peace.
Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network.